worship today too. I want to thank the worship team for the great job of leading us into the presence of the Lord. Isn't it great to come to church where you can worship the, the Lord freely and wonderfully the way we did today? It's so good to see you all this morning. Well, if you want to get your uh, Bibles out and open to Ephesians 6, we're going to continue with this series entitled Storming the Gates of Hell. And uh, we're in this series, and so far we've looked at, over the last uh, three weeks so far, we've looked at our attitude for warfare, that we need to put on, get a mindset for it. We've also looked at the angelic allies that we have in the invisible warfare, because our warfare is spiritual. And uh, there is a, there's a heavenly host that is working for our benefit, and uh, we talked about that. Last week we talked about the adversary that we're all facing in the warfare, and we dealt with Satan. Today we're going to talk about your armor. And the armor of God uh, for us is like, I don't know how many, well, I know there's a few of us in the room old enough to remember this, but you remember the book that was written in the late 70s, How to Dress for Success? And uh, the armor of God is our version of how to dress for success in spiritual warfare. It's that power dressing that, uh, that we have been, that's been made available to us. And so I, if you have your Bibles, I want to begin reading out of Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 13. And uh, we're going to look there this morning together. Paul says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod or fitted your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are which, which, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's what we're going to be coming from today. We're going to deal specifically with the armor of God today. So, Father, we just ask that your presence would be with us over these next few moments. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way. God, talk to us. Again, Lord, train us and equip us for the battles that we are in right now, for the ones that are, will be coming. And Lord, help us to get stronger in the Lord and in the power of your might, Lord, by putting on the full armor. God, help us to be men and women who are daily armoring up that we are putting on the full armor of God every day of our lives. So Holy Spirit, we invite you now. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says amen. 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 Well, we've been talking about this idea of spiritual warfare, storming the gates of hell. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and hell and all of Satan's hosts and power can't stop the going and the growing of my church. And then at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then he said to the church, you and I, therefore go and make disciples 
of all nations. And so I believe that the church is largely to be on the offensive, not the defense. We should be going forward. We should be going after it because Jesus commissioned us in his authority to go for it. Amen? And so we should live more on the offense. But I don't believe that we should be on the offense in the sense that we are looking for places where the darkness is so prevalent and just wanting to pick a fight with the devil. Because I really believe that if we're doing what Jesus told us to do, going into all the world with his life, his love, his power, here's what I really believe. If we're doing what Jesus told us to do, the devil will find us. And he'll try to stop us, and he'll try to hinder us. And so our focus isn't the kingdom of darkness. Our focus is the kingdom of God. Knowing that, hell will try to hinder what we're doing in in the kingdom of God. And so uh, when Satan comes against us, Paul said, here, we are to take our stand. And we are to hold our ground, and we are to... We are to withstand and to, to stand and to stand therefore. Notice all the times in, the, in this passage of Scripture where Paul encourages us to stand, to withstand, to stand. And I just want to say something to all of us in the room here today. Sometimes the battles we're facing are more about us holding the ground that we have as they are in taking more ground. It's about, a lot of our warfare is about maintaining, not, not that we just live to maintain, but sometimes the warfare that we're up against in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our finances, and indeed in the church and in the kingdom of God is about holding the ground that we have been given, the ground that we have already taken. Because Satan is going to come against us. And so to stand is to hold your ground. To stand is the opposite of running away in fear, of quitting out of frustration, of giving up when the going gets tough. That's not standing. Standing means that we hold on to who we are and what Christ has given to us. And the only way that we're going to be able to stand is in the power of God and in the strength of His might, i.e. the armor of God. There's no other way to do it. We have to be in the armor of God. Now, one of the interesting things about this, if you have your Bibles open there, you can see this in in chapter 6, verse 20 of Ephesians, where Paul says, I am an ambassador in chains. When he wrote this passage on spiritual warfare, get the irony of this. He's writing about how to be more than a conqueror and how to to be successful in the battle while he himself is chained to a Roman soldier just feet away from him. Isn't that interesting? He's talking to the Christians about how to be more than a conqueror and to hold the ground while he himself is in chains to a Roman soldier. And so Paul is not only writing to encourage the Christians, but I believe in a sense encouraging himself that even though the circumstance may may look like I'm being hindered, really the work of God is continuing on, even though Satan is trying to take back what we've already taken. And he's saying to the Christians, look, we're fighting the good fight. No matter the circumstance you find yourself, don't give up, don't run away, don't quit, don't turn away, don't, don't give ground to the devil. Listen, because if you give the devil a foothold, he'll build a stronghold. 
And so we need to stand our ground. And that's what Paul was doing while he was chained to that Roman soldier. He was standing his ground. And he was saying to the Ephesian elders and leaders and members of the church there, stand your ground. Don't give up. Don't give him a foothold. Because if you do, he'll try to build a stronghold. So sometimes fighting the good fight of faith is just holding on to the ground that you already have. And not letting Satan... Destroy your family, destroy your mind, destroy your heart, destroy your marriage. Taking a stand. Not letting Satan get a foothold in the church and in the kingdom of God and in the work of God. Come on out there. Are you with me? So when we put on the whole armor of God, that's standing your ground. Defending what belongs to us. It's time to armor up. Amen. And so if we're going to stand in the evil day, how many of you ever experienced an evil day in your life? Come on. If we're going to stand strong in the evil day, number one, we've got to put on the belt of truth. The soldiers, the Roman soldiers, when Paul was looking at that soldier that he was chained to, he saw all those pieces of the armor, and he directly correlated every piece of armor that he could see to our own spiritual victory. And the first thing he said is that we need to cinch up the belt around our life, and that belt is the truth of God. If we're going to be victorious in spiritual warfare, like the Roman soldiers, we need to put on that belt which protected the loins of the Roman soldier, and it also held the sword, which we're going to get to in a moment. But also what they would do with that belt is the Roman soldiers would wear a long tunic and when they were in transit or when they were in combat, oftentimes what they would do is reach down and grab the lower parts of that tunic and they would bring it up and they would tuck it into their belts so that they wouldn't get snagged by anything in the battle. And that truth kind of was, that truth kind of, that belt kind of kept everything up and together. In the face of warfare and in the face of battle. The belt that Paul says for us is truth. And the truth is both the living word of Jesus Christ. For he is the way, the truth, and the life. But it's not just the living word of Jesus Christ. It is the written word of the scriptures. Jesus said when he prayed for his disciples... Father, he said, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Amen. And so the truth of God's word is the standard by which we live. It is the reality of our life. It stands outside of our experiences and it stands above our opinions and our emotions. When you're in a battle, you don't fight by your feelings and you don't bite by you don't fight by your own ideology you get your life aligned to the truth of the word of god and that becomes your belt that becomes your protection that and it's out of that which you can grab hold of the word of god which is the word of the spirit and it keeps things together and it keeps you from falling apart amen that's why we need the truth because Satan is a liar and he's a deceiver. 
And he cannot overcome the truth. He can only, he will deceive, he will lie, he will try to get us off track with God's word. And here's, here's the thing that we need to understand about God's truth and God's standard of truth. It's like the law of gravity. It's true no matter what your opinion is. If you were to walk off the roof of this church, the law of gravity says you're going to go down. And it's the same for everybody. You don't have, when, when we're talking about truth, we're talking about a standard that is above our opinion and above our feelings and above the ideology of the world. It's like the law of gravity. It's the truth, whoever you are. Amen. And so church, we need to get our mind fully equipped in the truth of God. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, he said these words, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind. See, there it is. Peter said, Paul said, we need to gird up. We need to be girded up in the truth. And Peter said, it's really up here in your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How many are glad that Jesus is coming back someday? But until he comes back, we've got to live in the truth. That's the way we live victorious. So we need to put on the belt of truth. The second piece of armor that Paul encourages us in is to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And the breastplate for the Roman soldier protected it was a protective covering over all of the vital organs and especially the center organ, the heart of the soldier. And they would put on this vest or this, this piece of armor that covered both the front and the back of them so that when they went into the warfare, the vitals of who they were were completely protected in the warfare. And Paul likened this breastplate to the breastplate of the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ that has been afforded to us, that has been imputed to us. And the reason why this is so important is because Satan is a tempter. And he's an accuser. He tries to tempt us into sin. And if we fall short and fall into it, then he turns around and accuses us of it and constantly slandering us, highlighting our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses. And Paul said, here's what you got to do every day of your life. You not only have to wrap around you and hold yourself together in the truth and make sure that everything in your life is lived by and held together in the truth of God, but every day put on that breastplate of the righteousness of God over your heart, over your life in every way. Every day. Come on, everybody say every day. When Paul says put on, he says that in the original language, keep putting on, keep putting on. Amen. So every day I have to establish myself in the righteousness because, listen, Satan is looking for any chink in the armor. And you know what that means? He's looking for any place he can get in there, any weakness, any place of vulnerability. He's paying attention to your life and my life, either in the way that I think, think about myself, or the way I behave. 
He's looking for any way in. Amen. And so we've got to put on this breastplate of righteousness. And we put it on in two ways here, mentally. We need to put it on mentally in the sense of our positional place of righteousness. Here, listen to these words. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. The Bible says, For God made him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of of God in him. Just look at those words. God made Jesus. That's who in the context he's talking about. God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God or the righteousness yeah, of God in Christ. So here's what happened. When Jesus died on the cross, he took all my sin. Come on. Amen. Every sin I would ever commit. Every sin I would ever think. He took my sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin. That by believing in him, he would give me his righteousness. Hallelujah. Do you know that because of your faith in Jesus, you are righteous? Come on, church. I'm telling you, if you don't get this on every day, Satan will get in there. He'll get in your head. He'll, you'll feel, you, you'll feel slimed and slandered and you'll feel like a defeat and you'll try to just, you'll try to bury things and hide things and push things down and not deal with things because you believe that you're not the righteousness of God. When you believe in Jesus, you have been made righteous. You are holy. You are without blame. Hallelujah. Got to get that up here. But as a result of that righteousness, listen, there's another side to this. Because I am righteous positionally, then that righteousness must have its outworking practically. It's the front and the back. Amen. We need to put our righteousness into effect through godly action. To fail to do this opens my heart, makes me vulnerable to being complacent, compromising, giving the devil a foothold in my life. I'm not trying to be righteous in order to be accepted. I am righteous, therefore I am accepted. But because I am righteous in my position, I must be righteous in my practice. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7 says, Little children, that's you, that's me, let no one deceive you. He who practices Righteousness is righteous, just as He, the Lord, is righteous. I am the righteousness of God through faith in Christ, and as a result of that, because I truly have Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus in me, then it stands to reason that I'll behave that way. So not to give place to the devil. 
Because if you give him a foothold, he'll build a stronghold. Amen, church. Though righteousness has been imputed imputed to me, it is also expected of me. Number three, he says, let's put on the shoes of peace. So check it out. So far, we put on the belt of truth. You know what happens when you don't wear a belt, for some of us guys, our pants falls down. You don't want that. You don't want that kind of exposure. We need to put on the belt of truth. Amen. Or the suspenders, whatever it is. And we also need, yeah, we got some wearers here. And we also need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. But then we need to put on the shoes of peace. The Roman soldier would have hobnails on the soles of their sandal-like boots, I guess. One ancient historian by the name of Josephus said that their shoes were thickly studded with sharp nails. It's like a football player going out to the field in their cleats. The whole idea behind it was to give them firm footing when they're grappling and when they're in the heat of battle and when they're walking through or trying to stand their ground in the terrain, whatever whatever they were at, that they wouldn't slip and fall and, and you know, they wouldn't be caught off guard. They, they, they would be prepared. They would be able to grapple. They would be able to, to endure in the conflict because of those shoes that they had. They were like cleats. And Paul says to us that the shoes that we need to put on, the thing that gives us a firm footing, the things that make us ready and prepared for anything that comes, is to be fitted to walk in, to live in, to walk upon the peace of God. Put on, he says, the shoes that are your peace, that give you a sense of readiness for anything that might come up in the course of your day or in your marriage, or in your family, or in the kingdom of God. Amen. We need to put on the good news. Everybody say good news. The good news is what prepares us for whatever Satan may try to throw at us, because Satan is a thief. He devises schemes to catch us off guard, wanting to steal our peace and to get us into our feels. He wants to get us into our fears, into our depression. Into our, he'll, he'll come at us at many different ways. And you know the only way that you can stand there and not slip and slide and just find yourself in the gutter is to be standing there in the peace of God. No matter what comes, to be at peace. Not to be in your feels, but to be in your peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Believing the good news is what really is our peace of mind. The word peace that is used here, the the Greek word for it, carries the idea of tranquility and quietness, and rest. Come on, does anybody want to be like that? Do you want to just live your life in this world of chaos, in this world of frustration, and the places that you work, and the family crisis that you go through? Just be tranquil. 
Come on now, anybody out there want want some tranquility in your life? And some rest and some quietness. No matter what goes on. Find yourself in a storm like Jesus, you're asleep. Wouldn't that be great? That you can go to bed at night and sleep? Come on, I feel like I'm talking to somebody out here. Wouldn't that be great? Well, Paul says, we believe in the good news. And here's the good news. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's the good news. Jesus, we at one time, we were enemies of God. By nature, we were children of wrath. We didn't love God. We didn't know God the day we were born. In fact, there was no way for us to even get close to God. By nature, by our human nature, we drift away from God. We resist God. We go in our own way. But Jesus came to draw all men to the Father. And when he died on the cross, his whole being, his whole life became a propitiation for our sins. In other words, his sacrificial death appeased the wrath of God against sin. He took all of our sin upon himself, therefore making peace between us and the Father. The good news is, I am at peace with God, and God is at peace with me through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And because I am at peace with God, I have the peace of God. I have the peace of God. I have the peace of God. That's why when Jesus was asleep on the boat and the disciples were awake and these fishermen, most of them are fishermen, and when they were in the storm, they were fearing for their very life. I mean, they've been, on, they've been in storms before, but this time they were fearing for their very life. They were, they were shaken and shattered, and Jesus is asleep, and they, Lord, don't you care? They wake him up, Lord, don't you care? And he says, where's your faith? You could be sleeping too. We could sleep our way through this. But since you woke me up, shut up. (laughs) Amen. We can have the peace of God. This is so important. This whole concept to walk in peace no matter what happens. I've got my cleats of peace on. You know, historically... Far more soldiers on the battlefield have been immobilized by foot problems than have gone down from bullets. Last January, I heard a man at a men's conference that I was, was, uh, he and I were speaking at. He was an ex-Marine. And he talked about in the military in World War I, we, we all hear, we all know now of trench foot. And where that phrase came out of was in World War I when, the, when the, it was basically trench warfare at that time and they, soldiers were in the trenches through all kinds of weather, weeks upon weeks upon weeks, rain, sleet, snow. And they didn't realize that they were holding their ground for sure, but they weren't changing their socks and they weren't airing their feet out. 
and their feet began to rot. 21,000 soldiers in World War I died of trench foot, not of bullets. And so in the war, they right away they said, we got to fix this problem. So they issued more socks, that would help. But also they lined, they, they gave each, they, they told the soldiers, you need to partner up and make sure that everybody's taking care of their feet. We're not just out here dodging bullets, we're watching out for each other's feet. Listen to me. If we, if for a soldier, if they don't have their feet, they can't fight a good fight. And if we don't have our peace, we will never prevail. We need to shod our feet. Be prepared. Be ready in the peace of God. Amen. So notice what we've done so far. We've put on the belt of truth, which is the overarching truth of God in every way. And we put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is my standing with the Lord, but also my living it out every day of my life. And we have put on the shoes of the gospel of peace that makes me ready for anything. But now, we need to take up some things. And the fourth thing that we need to take, the fourth piece of the armor is we need to take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Now the shield for the Roman soldier, they had two of them. There was one personal shield that was kind of round and it would be attached to the arm. And there were times that they had that for certain things. But when they were going into battle as a legion, and they were facing an army of people, and they were being an army themselves, they would have a shield that was more something like two to three feet wide and four feet high. Each one of them would have that. And it was not only for them personally, but actually it served as kind of a... uh, It became a virtual wall of defense, really, when they overlaid one shield upon another as they stood there together. And the shield that they had was made out of wood, but it was overlaid with animal skin. And when they were going into the heat of battle, one of the things that enemies would often do is they would dip their arrows in oil and they would set them on fire and they would fire at the people and they would try to not only wound and hurt and kill somebody, but burn or cause fire to whatever maybe they were in or behind. And so the Roman soldier would take their shield when they knew they were going into battle and they would dip them in the stream or in a lake or in the water and get them wet. And that shield then, when the fiery arrow came at him, it would quench the fiery darts. And that's what Paul said here, take up the shield of faith with which we quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Hallelujah. And so, to withstand Satan's attacks, Paul says, we need to stand. Our shield is the shield of faith. Everybody say faith. Our shield is the shield of faith. We must stand in faith, believing. Faith is that deep and personal trust in God that no matter what's going on, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you're hearing, no matter what you're seeing, 
You believe God. That's faith. You believe what God says. That's faith. You believe what God has told you. That's faith. When you go into the warfare, you go in holding your faith. You stand behind your faith. You crouch behind your faith. You run to your faith. And you dip your faith in water. In other words, you get it refreshed all the time. Refresh your faith in the living word of Jesus Christ. Be ready. Be in your faith. Amen. Come on. Turn to somebody and tell them. Get behind your faith. Go ahead and tell them that. Now this faith that we're talking about is both individual and corporate. Let me just, let me just break this down. Everyone in this room, the only way we're going to get from A to Z is through faith. That's how we're going to do it. We've got to trust God no matter what happens. Remember that story of the man whose daughter was about to die and he came to Jesus and he said, come and heal my daughter and as Jesus was going with him to his house, he got sidetracked by another healing that happened through another lady. And in the process of the time that it took to deal that, his daughter died. And while he was there waiting on Jesus to get finished dealing with this issue, a man from his town or his home came and said, don't bother the master. She's dead. There's no reason for him to come now. She's already gone. And Jesus heard that news, turned to the Father and said, do not be afraid, only believe. That's what we need to do. When things are falling apart, when things aren't clicking together, when it looks like the enemy's getting the upper hand, Jesus turns to us and said, don't be afraid, only believe. Amen. We need to have that kind of faith. But we also need it not only individually, but corporately. Now, as I said earlier, these shields were designed in such a way that they would use them in formation as a legion, as an army, as a battalion. And they would put them end to end or overlay them one after another. And they would become this wall of defense, staving off the attack of the enemy. And I just want to say something. Can I just say this? There is no room for Lone Ranger Christians right now. I want to say it to those of you watching online. There is no room for Lone Ranger Christianity. We are not just a soldier of the cross. We are the army of God. And we need to stand in faith for one another, and stand in faith together. And now is not the time to pull away, and now is not the time to kind of separate yourself, because we're in the army of God. And we need, to, we need each other. Come on. We need each other. And you need me more than you think you need me. And I need you way more than I think I need you. We're not going to be victorious if we fragment, 
if we divide, if we separate, if we pull away, if we go off and do our own thing for a little while or for a long while, we're not, things are not going to go well in the kingdom of God. We're an army. I'm a soldier. You're a soldier. But we're an army. And we need to overlap our faith. And we need to build a wall of defense. And we need to hold our ground. Because the enemy, I believe, I believe, I believe the enemy is up to no good in all this junk we're going through. But what he intends for evil, God has good intentions. And I think not the least of which is to build our faith. To strengthen us as a body. Pulling us together. We need to get together. Amen. We need to come together. If we expect to be protected and come out victorious, we must stick with the group. We must, we must march as a unit. And we need to live like a family. You need to show up. Amen. Oh, I like what I'm preaching right now. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. He wrote to the Philippian church and he said, Stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Listen, the way that we won't be terrified by our adversaries is if we stand in one spirit, striving together for one faith, and standing in that faith. Amen. Amen. So we need to take up the shield of faith. Number five, we need to take up the helmet of salvation. The helmet was made of thick leather overlaid with bronze or iron, and it was designed with these cheek plates that protected the ears. And also the eyes. And they would go into battle with that, like, like a football player would go into the game with the helmet on. Without that helmet, you're in trouble. Amen. Without the helmet of salvation, you're in trouble. Now think of it. Put on the helmet of salvation. It had to do with the mind protecting this vital organ and your thoughts, your perceptions, your hearing, your seeing, these are all essential to effective warfare. Can't live without these things, obviously. And it would help you to keep perspective. The helmet was a protective, it protected your head from wounds. Have you ever had your bell rung? Anybody here ever had something like knocked you loopy for a little bit? You know, in the NFL, one of the things that is illegal is head slaps. You know, those guys are really big. They're very strong. And, and they, you, you can't just kind of like hit somebody. You just can't like slap them in the head because you can ring their bell. You can knock them loopy. You can, obviously, they are already, by hitting one another in certain ways, they already cause concussion. And you know what a concussion is? 
a concussion is described as being, it's seemingly fully functional with no head. A person with concussion, concussion uh, is disoriented. They can kind of get up. They can run to the huddle. They can maybe even run to their place, but they're, they're, they're loopy. They're not, they're not fully engaged. And if you don't know it, they can get themselves further hurt. Sometimes it's somebody who's got to come in from the, somebody who's paying attention up in the press box and they can see that they're kind of not really, they're not really in the game, that they've got a concussion. They are, they appear to be functional, but they have been knocked silly. And listen to me, Satan, one of, one of the things he wants to do, he wants to head slap you. He wants to get into your head. He wants to beat you down. He wants to beat you up in your head. And we've got to put on the helmet of salvation. And when Paul is saying put on the helmet of salvation, he's not talking about every day of your life you better get saved. You better make sure you're saved. That's not what he's saying. He says to the Christians, he's writing to a believer. He says, listen, put on that helmet of salvation. Put on that helmet of your security and your confidence and the process of the salvation that is working out in your life every day. Make sure that you know who you are and where you're going. Because Satan is going to head slap you. He's going to head slap you. He's going to, he's going to try to cause you to get into a spiritual concussion. Where you're going through the motions but your head's not in it. Come on now. Because if Satan can get into our head, then he can win some battles in our lives. So here's how we need to take up the helmet of salvation. Let me give you three quick things, real quick. These won't come up on the screen. Here's how you put on the helmet of salvation. You ready? You ready? Control your thoughts. Well, I can't control my thoughts. Oh, yes, you can. You can control what you think. The Bible says, set your mind on things above. Paul said, take captive every thought, every vain imagination that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ, and you bring it captive. You know what he's saying? Control your thoughts. Come on. Kevin's the only one that amen me out there. Here's another thing. Cultivate your thoughts. Cultivate, which is fertilize, prepare, um, plant. You fill your mind with the right stuff. This is putting on the helmet of salvation. Paul said, do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Cultivate your mind. Fill your mind with the seed of God's word. Keep planting seed in your brain. Keep planting seed of God's word in your thoughts. Control it. Cultivate it. And ultimately... Change your thoughts. You change your thoughts. You change it. 
how can I change it? Well, Paul said to, um, well, let me ask you this. Has anybody changed your mind? Have you changed your mind about something in your life? Come on, there's got to be a few women in the house. Women change. (laughs) One of the reasons, the rights you have as a woman is you can change your mind. Amen. Hallelujah. I know, I got to back it up now. You can change your mind. But anyway, Paul was writing to the Christians at Philippi and he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, that's just another way of saying, change the way you think. You change the way you think. You do that. Let this mind be in your mind. What mind? The mind that was in Jesus. You change the way you think. You change it. You can control your thoughts. You can cultivate your thoughts, your mind. You can change. And let me just say this so that nobody misunderstands me. This is every day I put on the helmet. Because sometimes my thoughts are going crazy. Sometimes I'm standing right down here, and I, may, I hope this is not too much information, but sometimes I'm standing down here, and thoughts will just enter into my mind about someone or something. I'm like, where in the world? And I can either dwell on that thought, and I can get under condemnation of that thought, and I can put up with that thought, or I can say, no, I renounce the hidden work of darkness in that thought. This is putting on the helmet every day. Every day. It's a daily thing. And then the final piece of armor that he gives us, he says, take up the sword of the Spirit. Now the sword spoken of here is this shorter, double-edged like dagger, sometimes 16 to maybe 18 inches in length, and it was designed for hand-to-hand combat. It was designed for up-close personal warfare. When, when the enemy came in, you don't have this long sword that you got to try to wield. You have something that's quick, and it's sharp. It cuts both ways. And you were able, with that sword, to... Handle your enemy. And to the Roman soldier, it was not only a sword of offense, but it was also a sword of defense. For when the enemy came in on you and attacked you, and you were ready to deal with it. And this sword for the soldier of that time, this sword became like a member of the family. It was so important to him. So vital to him. It was, he knew it. He knew his own sword. And he knew it well. Well, Paul says that the sword represents the sword of the Spirit. And he gives us immediately the definition of it. It's the Word of God. Now, we've already dealt with the truth of God's Word, the the overarching standard and reality of the Word of God. But this is that Word of God, more in the rhema sense of the Word of God. It's the utterance of God. It's the spoken Word of God. When God gives you an immediate, double-edged, sharp Word, 
to handle the onslaught of the enemy in your life. Aren't you glad? Listen, aren't you glad the Lord talks to us? I know people say, I don't hear God. I don't believe you. You may not be paying attention. (laughs) Maybe we haven't learned his voice. But I'm telling you, I believe the Lord really speaks to us. Listen, if he loved us enough to die for us, I believe he loves us enough to talk to us. And he gives us words in the... In the moment, for the season, whether it's an extended time of warfare or whether it's an immediate, spontaneous combustion of evil coming against us, he speaks to us and he gives us something to stand on. It becomes our rhema word. It becomes our, it becomes our double-edged sword. And we need this. We need God to speak to us like this. And I just want to say something in this sense, in a practical sense. The more you use an actual physical sword the duller it becomes. But the more you and I use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the sharper we become. The more I lean on this Word of God, I get sharper. I get more deadly in the Spirit. And I become a good, I become a strong warrior. That's what he said, right? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Take up that sword of the Spirit. Amen. And how do we stay sharp in the Word of God? Well, let me give you a couple of ideas. First of all, you need to know the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. Now, God speaks to us, and primarily, He speaks through His Word. And so, we need to read the Word every day of our life. It would be good if we could just take time and read God's Word. And also commit parts of the Word to memory and meditate on the Word of God. Because I'm going to be able more clearly to hear the voice of God as long as I'm in the Word of God. Because this is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So if I want to have a sharp sword, I've got to be, I've got to be aware of what God is saying in His Word. And He'll bring words. He'll bring these kinds of words to me. But He'll also bring other types of words to me. Words of the Spirit that He whispers in my soul. But if I'm, if I'm going to be sharp in the Word, I need to know it. I need to memorize it. And this is how I resist the devil and he will flee. But also we need to listen for it. We don't need, need to know it. We need to listen for it. Jesus said in, on more than one occasion, he said, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He's not just saying... Just read the Bible. He's saying, listen to the Spirit of God. He's got a word for you. And it'll be the right word to conquer all the power of the devil. Amen. God will speak to you. He'll give you a word that'll get you through. There's one last thing. I'm going to do this in closing. Sherry, if you would bring up I want to talk about Second uh, Samuel. I want to talk about everything that we've been talking about. And there's a scripture in Second Samuel, chapter 23, and there's a whole passage about David's mighty men. All right, and this is about the mighty man of Shammah. Shammah. I don't know how you say it. It says, and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop 
where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. Okay, get this picture. There's a piece of ground full of lentils. Here, here's what it is. It's a bean patch. Everybody say bean patch. That's what lentils are. And the Philistines, it says, the Philistines, Shammah was a mighty man, a mighty warrior. This is what made him a mighty man of valor in David's army. He, this man named Shammah, he was the son of Agi, a Hararite. The Philistines gathered in, at, into a troop, and they were in this bean patch, and all the people fled from the Philistines. Go to the next verse. But Shammah stationed himself in the middle of the bean patch, and he defended it, and he killed the Philistines, so the Lord brought about a great victory. I wanted to conclude with this, because what we've been talking about today is precisely this issue. Standing your ground. Not giving place to the devil. Listen, it was a bean patch, but to this man... It was a gold mine. Why was it a gold mine? Because it was what God gave them. It was theirs. It belonged to them. It didn't belong to the Philistines. It wasn't theirs to possess. And I want to tell you, there's some things in our life that we're running away from it. We don't think that it's that important. We don't think that it's that valuable. And you're, we're running away out of fear. We're running away out of frustration. But we need to get some Shema in us. Well, we're going to put ourselves in the middle of that bean patch. It doesn't look like much. But listen, if God gave it to you, if God entrusted you with it, if God has put this in your life, it is like a gold mine. And we need to stand our ground. Because if we give the enemy a foothold, they're going to make it into a stronghold. And we've got to defend what God has given to us. We can't give up now, church. Amen. Come on, we can't give up now. We can't give up now. There's, we, we've got to fight for our marriages. We have to defend, we have to stand our ground for our children. Here at Abundant Life Fellowship, we need to stand our ground for the body of Christ here at Abundant Life Fellowship. We need to stand our ground in this nation as the people of God. In this nation, we need to stand our ground. We're not here, we're not here to fight against flesh and blood, but we need to stand our ground and not give the enemy a foothold. Wherever possible, we need to armor up because sometimes it isn't about taking ground. Sometimes it's about holding what you have. Let's stand together. Father, we come before you today, Lord. We want to thank you for your word. Lord, we need your word. Lord, I just pray for everyone in this room right now that is fighting for their life. They're fighting, Lord, for their family. Lord, they're fighting for their own sanity, maybe. They're fighting for their own peace of mind. God, I just pray today that we will not give up our bean patch. <laughs> that we will, we will station ourselves in the middle of it, God. And that we will not give place to the devil. 
Lord, I pray that if we've been running, if we've not been standing, I pray that we would realize it's because we've not been armoring up. We need God to stand in your armor, which is your strength. It is your power. You're our great defense. You're our strength, Lord. You're the one who delivers us in days of trouble. And I pray, Lord, that we would put on your truth and your righteousness and your peace, Lord. And, Lord, that we would stand in faith and in, in the salvation of hope, God. And that we would take up your word, God. Speak to us your word, Lord. Give us a word. Give us a word in the middle of our warfare, I pray, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, God that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Come on, church, one more time. Can you lift your hands to Jesus right now? And let's just, as an army of God, just thank him that he is with us. Lord, we praise you. Come on, church, right out loud. Just praise the Lord. Lord, we love you, and we praise you that you have made us more than conquerors. And Lord, we just thank you, God, that you're, gonna, you're, you're equipping us, God, for the battles that we're in right now where it seems like the enemy is, is maybe getting in and, and having his way, God. We just thank you that you've awakened us to the battle. And I pray, God, that we would be more than conquerors, that we would be victors right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen. 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 God bless you guys. Have a great day.